Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. Get your skis shined up, grab a stick of juicy fruit, the taste is gonna move ya. Move you up, move you out, the taste is gonna move you when you pop it in your mouth. Juicy fruit, it's gonna move ya. <laughs> you know what the problem with juicy fruit is? It's great gum, but it, the flavor is so short-lived. It's like, Yeah, it's like two seconds of flavor and yeah. then it's just gum. It just... I've never liked juicy fruit. <laughs> but don't you like the flavor of juicy fruit? Not for two seconds. No. I want a long-lasting taste. Yeah, it's true. Somebody's logo or quote is that, a long-lasting taste. Oh, yeah. Is maybe. it Excel? No, that's Accelerate Your Breath. Accelerate. Accelerate your, your breath. breath. Wait, is it Excel Celebrate or Excel Accelerate? What have I been what? saying? I think it's Accelerate. Accelerate. Oh, it's not Celebrate Your Breath? No, it's Accelerate. I, I think it's Accelerate. I thought it was celebrate. Oh my god, we're really getting away from it here. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Someone let us know what is it really? <laughs> oh, Mita, how's it going? I'm here in no. my own home. Not I know, in front as of you can you. probably tell by the sound quality, which is better right now. <laughs> it's because Mita <laughs> and I are recording virtually today. Yeah, because I have my own mic. Yes, so yeah. Mita and I are afar. Nadim's <laughs> reaching out to me through our Google Meet <laughs> window. Google Meet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nita, I want to talk about something. Yes. Something scandalous. Oh, is it the TV show Scandal? It is because Nita oh. <laughs> decided to watch rewatch it. Yep. And I mm-hmm. dis- have decided to rewatch Sex in the City for yep. no reason. So why don't you talk about your rewatch? Because you're done and I'm almost yeah. done. Yeah, so um, TikTok, I basically watch like TV shows through TikTok videos okay. now. Do you get those clips? No, I don't. I'm like pretty much like through Young Sheldon. <laughs> Just through the clips? No, like I know the plot and stuff oh, okay. like that. And part of me is like, I kind of want to watch this now because oh, okay. it seems a lot better than The Big Bang Theory. Like it's a lot Maybe, yeah. more palatable. Yeah. But yes, scandal clips kept showing up on my TikTok feed. Mm-hmm. And there are some really fun moments in those like first few seasons that kept showing up. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch this again. And so I began my journey of rewatching Scandal. And I have now finished all seven seasons. In real life, like when it was on air, I stopped at about season four. No, wait, that's a lie. Season five. Okay. I stopped at season five. And then there was seven total. There's a point in season five where I stopped, but I won't. Can I spoil it? It's been like yeah, it's been long ten enough. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically, in season five, Olivia Pope kills somebody with a chair. <laughs> she <laughs> so dumb. Granted, she had every right, like reason to want to kill this person. Mm-hmm. But that's when I was just like, okay, I'm out. Because, like, yeah. Olivia Pope's whole thing was, like, wear the white hat. We're better than everybody. And, like, the character was just turning into something I wasn't appreciating in, like, mm-hmm. live TV at that moment. And what I've learned in my rewatch is that it's actually a much more exciting show if you are binging it. 
because you're getting that gratification right away. Mm-hmm. Like when you have to wait week to week, it's kind of you lose you lose track of it. There's so many twists and turns in the series. I was thinking to myself, like, how would I have caught up with all this? And like they go back and forth so often. Mm-hmm. Often they're like flip flopping. So those four four seasons, like I would say, definitely watch if you are interested in watching Scandal, but don't watch seasons five to seven because it's really bad. Oh, okay. It's just it's yeah. It was not enjoyable at all. I'm glad I finished the journey just to see where they went. Yeah. But like, it just, it's like every episode, they contradict themselves from what mm. they had said in the last episode. And it gets so messy of like, which characters are you supposed to like? And then they they will give somebody character growth and mm. then they just take it away in a heartbeat. Like there's no repercussions for any of the actions and like there's no consequences. And it's just so, so messy. But I finished it. Okay, <laughs> I'm really proud you. of myself. I do have to point out something, though, before yeah. I talk about SATC. Uh-huh. As a result of your scandal binge, mm-hmm. you were a little behind on your movie watching. Yeah, that's fine, though. <laughs> I know I will catch up. I know I will. I am behind by a few days now, but I have a couple days off this week and next week. I'll catch up. I'm not worried. You're not concerned? No. Do you think it's because you watched so much in such a short period of time that you're like a little movied out? Yeah. Yeah. I like the few weeks that you were on vacation, I like really went for it. <laughs> I was like watching him two or three movies a day. Wow. Like I figured out a way to do that. And so I think I was just a little tired and I needed a break and I needed something familiar. I think yeah. that's also the hard thing is like to concentrate on something new all the time. It does take a lot of your memory and a lot of like your energy to be able to like focus in on something and experience it and so i think my brain and my body just wanted something kind of familiar because even with the last three seasons of scandal which i had never seen i had them on in the background as i did things Mm -hmm. or like as i was working (laughs) like (laughs) i i didn't need to like pay close attention because i know the characters i kind of know what's gonna happen here there was nothing that was like too shocking that i really needed to pay attention to it yeah i get that and that's one of the reasons i was re-watching sex in the city because ramadan is coming to an end and it's just been really exhausting and i think at the end of the day or during lunch whatever i just wanted something brainless But Mm -hmm. also, I didn't want to be watching Seinfeld reruns. There was like a weird kind of place, because I watch Seinfeld or Friends or The Office or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They're my typical like go-to in the background shows. And I think I wanted something a little bit more, a little bit more detailed, but also familiar so that if I fell asleep or I wanted to text while watching it, then I could still do that and not feel like I miss anything. So I I totally understand that. The other thing that also rings true is the notion that things are more palatable when you binge them. Yeah. You definitely, I think, get lost in the world a little bit more. And the things that retrospectively you're kind of just like, well, that's dumb. Don't feel dumb when you're watching it because you're kind of just like, well, this is the world and these are the rules of this world. And okay, we're just going to accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that has been interesting because I don't have necessarily bad feelings about Sex in the City. I don't think it's great. And in retrospect, I also don't think it was great at the time. I don't uh-huh. like when you go on IMDb and you look at reviews and things, people are not like glowing about it. It's not like a 10 star show all the, like every episode. I think people recognized its its flaws and its weaknesses, but I think it at the time, especially, it was a show that felt liberal and it felt women-focused. 
It was a show about four women who were honestly talking about sex. It wasn't about the fashion. It was really about women in relationships and sex and how they relate to that. And that felt, I think, fresh at the time, even if the show itself was kind of like at times. Yeah. Because it does some things well in terms of having like interesting characters. Carrie is a little bit more manageable, I find, when you're watching her all at once, because it's not, she doesn't make all bad decisions. I think she's a human who makes human decisions. And I think, like you mentioned multiple times about asking Charlotte for the, for her to sell her <laughs> ring so that she can put a down payment on her apartment. No, she could sell her ring. She asked Charlotte for just straight up money. She asked Charlotte up, yeah. is the one who offered to sell her ring. <laughs> but that is actually different when you watch it. Because I think the show is not trying to make her, is not trying to say that's an acceptable thing. They're just trying to say she's someone who's doing this thing. Yeah. And you're watching it happen. Carrie is meant to be flawed. I So we watched that episode together, yes. that one. And I will say, like, after watching it, I remembered it differently. Yeah. Like, before watching it. I remembered it as her being this, like, really dumb person to be thinking, yeah. like, my friend who has money should just be giving me money, which isn't how she approached it. And she does actually full out admit in the episode itself, like, in her narration, that she's being neurotic and she's taking out her frustrations out on Charlotte when she shouldn't be. Yeah. But in my memory of like watching this years ago and at that time binging wasn't a thing. Like yeah. I probably watched this on like the edited version on TBS or something. Yes, like exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, she's just so rude. Like yeah. how dare she think that she can just ask for demand money that like from that. someone. Yeah. yeah. Cause it is insane. But then you realize, okay, cool. And even the situation that she has with Aiden, where they don't get married. At the end of the day, she actually does have a conversation with him where she says, hey, mm -hmm. I'm not ready for this. And he pushes it. Yeah. So I think I'm not saying she gets a bad rap necessarily. I'm just saying I think certain things are overshadowed because she does make dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. But I think I think, again, it's it's a product of its time, too. Right. Like, yeah. I think Sex in the City now would be different. And Sex in the City written now is a fresh show, not and just like that, which is trying to do something yeah. retroactively and it's not working. I wonder what season two will be like, though, because I think they spent this first season kind of just setting the tone of like what's happened within the last the last time you saw all these characters yeah. and like. Uh, the world has changed and the characters have changed. So we're going to set the tone for that. But I'm yeah. wondering, like, what are they actually going to do with this next one? Like, is she going to learn from previous mistakes? Yeah. Like, they're bringing Aiden back. And I hope that it's not actually a thing. I mean, like, we'll I hope see. they know she should not toy with somebody the way that she always toyed with Aiden. With Aiden. Yeah. The third time. Yeah. Fourth, because he's in the second movie, too, no? Don't they kiss? They do kiss. Yeah. But he's a part of that, too. Also, I will say that I think the movies did more damage than good. I think they were meant for people who really liked that world. But at the end of the day, they focused on the wrong things. They ended up being the wrong messaging. The fashion was not as big a deal in the show. It was very mm -hmm. incidental. And it was very something like you watched, oh, she's wearing a cool dress or, oh, you know, you pay attention. But it's not the focus. It was never the focus. But the movies made it a huge focus. I think the movies made it a focus because it was like a consequence of the show 
being popular. Like people yes. like Sex in the City and they picked up on, the oh, fashion, each girl yeah. has her own individual style. I like this woman's clothes. Mm. I like this. I like that. And then because they thought, oh, our audiences like those things, let's really capitalize on it. And that's when it became kind of like yeah, dirty. It's interesting to watch things kind of like retrospectively and see, especially when you've seen them or remember them from their heyday, like even with Scandal, like you have a different memory of it. And then mm-hmm. it comes back and you're like, oh, I'm not remembering this the same way. And I wonder if that happens the opposite. Like if you remember something so good and then you watch it back and you're like, this isn't that great actually. That happens when I see the clips with Gilmore Girls sometimes. When I was younger, I used to always side with Mm Lorelai. I'd be like, oh yeah, her parents are the worst and all this. But now as I'm older, I'm like, no, like they're they give your kid thirty thousand dollars a year for her yeah, like education. tuition. Yeah. You can go have Sunday uh, Sunday night dinner with yeah. them. Like it's not a big deal. <laughs> Friday night. It was Friday night. Friday dinner. night dinner. But yeah. that's also that. That's like single things. It's not the entire show that you're like, oh, this actually isn't a good show. No. You oh no no. Confess last show. week how much you love Amy Sherman Palladino. <laughs> yes, it is still a good show. No girls <laughs> is the best. <laughs> But you can you think of a show retrospectively that you've watched and you're like, oh, I don't actually like this? Um, I'm pretty definitive in my choices. <laughs> Do you know Unwavering what I mean? even. <laughs> like once I commit to something, I commit to something. I'm trying to think what have I watched that I really was just like, no, this was not not good. Can you? No, I'm trying to think and I can't yeah, think of anything. It's hard. Like when you are invested in something you really are invested but i also find i'm not re-watching things the way i like used to rewatch. i also will say that i think with a show it's different than a movie because a show is so long form that if you stop <laughs> liking it you're gonna mm-hmm. stop it which is what happened with me with like gray's anatomy for instance uh, yeah i enjoyed it in its first couple of seasons and then it got ridiculous and i dropped it or something like the oc which was similar and so I think now if I watch The O.C., I also think now if I watch The O.C., I'm going to be like, oh, this was real high school. I never watched the last season of The O.C. I only watched the first, like, two. Okay. And then I stopped. That's really all that matters. Yeah. No, wait. It's it's four seasons total, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. And again, it was one of those things that, like, I feel like if I watch it now, I, I wouldn't like it as much. But at the Probably time, not. I was watching it. I will say season one probably holds up i actually think season one was something like new and fun yeah and like cool but then it, pro- it two wasn't that great actually no the season finale of two is pretty great <laughs> what happened to the <laughs> russell crowe lookalike ben mckenzie yeah he's married to um what's her did you ever watch homeland no oh okay never mind he's married to claire danes no no brody's wife in this, but you don't watch Homeland. I don't, so yeah, this is all going over my head. I'm forgetting her name. She's the girlfriend in um, Deadpool. Oh, okay. The, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. And he was on a TV show. Oh, he was on Gotham. Every, yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. He's oh, like, he's he pops in, in there. Yeah. Yeah. He has a big deal. But Mita. Mm. Caca. <laughs> what a transition. What a transition, right? Yeah. Really thought about that one. Mita, what did we watch this week? 
<laughs> the theme this week, we watched the 1970, 19, oh boy, 1975 classic, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo. Okay, it's my turn to IMDb this, or yeah. discrow this. Mm-hmm. This is actually the best picture winner from 1974. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wild ride, because we haven't, it's been back and forth for a lot. 1975, sorry, and we'll be fourth again next week, but we'll get to that. But right now, let me give you the IMDb description for One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. In the fall of 1963, a Korean war veteran and criminal pleads insanity and is admitted to a mental institution where he rallies up the scared patients against the tyrannical nurse. Weird wordy. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. (laughs) And I I don't think it matters that it's the fall of 1963. Like, does it I matter that, that it's the 60s? Yeah. Why? Like, how they talk about sex and sort of, like, the the notion that, the, like, it's not a good thing and that, like, Ratchet would be like, why would you be speaking outwardly about these things? These are things you should be submersive to. Like, if this movie was, I think in the 70s, there was probably more openness about it? of those things. Yeah, maybe. But, like, if this movie was set in the 80s or the 90s, like, I don't think that that would be hmm. as much of a, a thing. Issue. Interesting. Yeah. This was your first viewing of The Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo! Cuckoo. (laughs) Yes. I had seen The Cuckoo's Nest before, many years ago, when I was, again, trying to be cool watching things. I have thoughts, but I'd like to hear yours first. Before my thoughts. Yes, okay. I would like to know what you think I thought of The Cuckoo. (laughs) So what I think you thought, I thought you thought. Mm -hmm. I don't know, actually. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure about this one, because... It's an interesting film, and I might as well give my thoughts at the same time then, if we're here. Well, wait, I'll tell you that you are correct. It is an interesting film. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. (laughs) And I still, this is my second viewing, many years apart, but I think what's interesting about The Cuckoo's Nest is that it's it's an interesting story. It's extremely well acted. Mm-hmm. especially by Jack Nicholson, who deserves that Oscar. We'll talk about Louise Fletcher in a bit. It's a very well-acted, interesting, some really interesting set pieces, but I don't feel like it actually lands in the end. Yeah. I I am still grappling with what I watched and what did I actually learn from this? Like, what is my takeaway in this movie other than, like, the 60s sucked, <laughs> so did, and psychiatry in the 60s. Mental health, yeah. Mental health in the 60s was wild. Similar to, like, if I watched Girl Interrupted. That Today, same, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That same sort of notion of, like, this is all crazy. But I don't know if I'm walking away with any, any like, not to say every movie has to have, like, a positive experience with it. No, it doesn't. But I'm just... Like, I don't know what I'm walking away with. I felt like I still, I wasn't satisfied, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. And I think the in- it's the interesting thing about this was, I-, I think what you're saying about like that mental health in the 70s was wild. That is retro, retrospectively your mm-hmm. experience of watching it. But that wasn't the movie's goal to show. Mm. Right. So that's something you're experiencing now. Because otherwise, that is, that is a theme that is a, a lesson to be learned from the film, but unfortunately, that's not 
what the movie was trying to show. It was just trying to, it was trying to show something else. What that something else is, I still can't pinpoint. Right? Like, what it, okay, because I was going to ask you, what do you think this movie is about? Yeah. (laughs) But clearly we're both just like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think it kind of wish it, it wish washes over a lot of ideas about mm-hmm. sane versus like mental health as I think one of the obviously the key themes, but also about like what makes someone quote unquote insane and what mm-hmm. makes someone sane. That quite you know that's that's kind of the only thing I could take away from it and like freedom of expression and freedom of self versus yes. you know that the loss of that and like i think nurse ratchet is meant to be your big villain and she's meant to be unsympathetic and all of that but part of me is like i don't find I her unsympathetic her, though yeah yeah like like I, she's just a product of her environment yeah and, she, and she's doing what she believes is is right it's right she's also doing what i think she has to keep these men on a tight leash mm-hmm. she can't be like warm and fuzzy because like Things could they go would down. take advantage of her. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. At the end, what she does to Billy is mean and like purely yeah. mean spirited rather than like for the greater good. She's mm-hmm. doing that because she's angry rather than thinking that, you know, I need to be thinking about the greater good. But otherwise, I'm kind of just like, I get it, Nurse Ratched. I kind of get where you're coming from. Otherwise, you'd lose your mind trying to control these people. I wonder if this is just because we are in 2023, though, and like what this experience would have been like in 1975, because now I'm just thinking like I, I can sympathize with these people and their actions because I know I can understand what they're actually going through because I've we've learned from it as a society. Like, I don't think there are mental health facilities that act in the same way, or at least I hope there aren't. Any that still follow like these same sorts of practices, like do people still lobotomize people? No, lobotomy no. is an electroshock. That's yeah. not, that's like, no, those are just things. non-existent yeah. anymore. And so, part of me watching this is just like a little numb to those actions because mm-hmm. I, I, because I am doing the thing where I'm saying like, okay, this was done in a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. It's placed. The movie is set in a certain period of time, mm-hmm. so I don't really need to be as reactive to the things that I'm seeing. But even at the time, what were you supposed to react to? Like, were you supposed to be outraged that there's electroshock and lobotomies? Or were you just supposed to be like, oh, that's just how they deal with it? I think at that time, like, what did people really know about mental health? Like, I think everybody was just sort of categorized to being sent to the loony bin. And maybe they felt like it was okay to have those actions, like to... Do, to perform lobotomies and to perform electroshock therapy, but then to actually physically see it in that moment, like a, you might hear what something is, like you might think, oh, electric shock therapy is just somebody being shot with electrodes, mm-hmm. but like then to physically see what that looks like or what that what the repercussions what the of repercussion that are, is, yeah, yeah, I think that might be the effect, but I'm not, you know. John Doe in 1975. I didn't go to the movie theater and go see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But I also am just curious, like, it's based off of a book, too. Mm -hmm. Who's seeking out this book? (laughs) I mean, books are different than film, right? Because books, first of all, if you read anything about this, apparently the book is very different. And the book takes this perspective of the chief. So it's actually the whole movie is from his, the whole book is from his perspective. And McMurphy? Yeah. Yeah, McMurphy ends up being a secondary character. Oh, interesting. And the movie shifts that. Do you think that's 
because yes uh, like it's race based <laughs> yes i think there's a race decision there for sure that and that's why books can do those kinds of things right because yeah. people don't question them in books for some reason that like mm -hmm. if he is a giant native american main character cool but as a movie at the time it wouldn't have worked because I think that perspective is so much more interesting and that ending works so much better yes. if it was from his perspective. Yes, especially because I think that's the problem with it, that this ending is meant to be something. and But you've been telling us someone else's story There's the whole time. It's a story for so long. Like, why am I seeing this person? Can we spoil it? Yeah, because it's a very <laughs> Chief, famous scene. Yes. Chief kills McMurphy by smothering him with a pillow. To but euthanize him. To, yes. It's, yes. It's a mercy killing. It was sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's murder. It's just like scandal when people are killing people. Yeah. It's for a reason. Absolutely the <laughs> exact same. Ba Shonda Rhimes based scandal off of One Blue <laughs> <laughs> over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. No, no. It's very different. But okay, yes, if it was through Chi's perspective the entire time, I can totally understand that ending. And even, like, sympathize with it a little bit more. I felt like I was distant from Chief throughout this movie to then have him have this, like, re redemption moment yes. of, like, doing something good just didn't fall into place. That helps put it into perspective for me. That leaves me disappointed, though, because you're a writer. Wouldn't you want to present, like, the best version of a film possible? And, like, stay true to something? Well, I mean, that's the thing with an adaption, right? Because adaption is meant to be, like, here's source material and here's how I want to present it. And I don't think... I, this is also... it's in, This is not a bad film by any mm -hmm. stretch of the oh, imagination. Oh, no, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a, this is a good film. And yes. I think the acting... Everything about this is actually very strong. The acting, the cinematography, the editing, the direction, the tone settings, the music. Like, so much of this is so strong. It and checks off all the boxes. It checks all the boxes. And even the screenplay itself is really good. The one place where it really confounds and is confusing is what is this movie trying to say? And that was a question I had when I was younger and I watched this. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking like, at the time I didn't want to admit it, but I wanted to be like, maybe I just didn't get it. And I, I you know, thought something of it and kind of put it out. But now when I'm watching this, I'm like, no, I think this is more the movie and less me. I don't think that it's just not landing the plane. It's just not landing the plane. It's not landing what it's trying to say here. And even right now, even when I'm trying to think of like that switch in perspective, fine. So let's say the movie is from Mur McMurphy's perspective. And mm -hmm. it's about him trying to, it, it's about the question of what makes someone insane versus in, uh, sane. And mm -hmm. these doctors saying he's not insane, but he is dangerous. He's, he's yeah. <laughs> dangerous. He's a dangerous person, but he's not insane. He's he has mental capacity and he has yes. mental ability to know what he's doing. Fine, he does all of that. He riles up the the other people. He gives them freedom, and he tries to give them a life that's been taken away from them. So your perspective is that he's this he's this Martyr, dangerous person, yeah. but at the same time, he is also quite aware of what's happened to these men he's not doing it to be a you know a rabble rouser he's actually doing it because he realizes these men need some fun in their life but then that's taken away from him because he's 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 shown to be dangerous clearly the way he tries to kill nurse ratchet yeah and then he's lobotomized and he loses that capacity 
which is maybe the movie saying that like too much freedom is not a good thing or like not having awareness is not a good thing. I don't know, maybe. But then he dies and then the chief takes over. And chief gets to walk away. But he gets to escape. He gets to escape. And the question is, so then what is the chief's story here? Yeah. Why? What was his purpose? What was his purpose? Because he's it's a man. It's kind of confusing. Who's trying to be, who's pretending to be deaf and dumb, who isn't, and then realizes he, that he should be out. Like he's there, he's there not, um, he's there voluntarily, first mm-hmm. of all. So he can leave any time. That's the other thing. They're all there voluntarily. Largely they are there voluntarily. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. There are things that just aren't lining up. And this is an example of a good movie that does it all well. And I think you gloss over a lot of these questions because everything Because else, it's a good movie. Because yeah. it's a good movie. But it doesn't actually make sense. This is when it actually would make sense to have like a precursor to understand like each of these single singular characters and why they are where they are. Because my perspective is that they were probably just – they were probably different – growing up or whatnot and we're told like you are insane and that is why they are in this situation now people weren't accepting of them but it's really hard to follow along with that in this when like you because it's just it's so confusing towards the end Mm -hmm. of like yes you're trying to say like they deserve freedom but they chose to be like they it's their freedom that has allowed them to choose to be in this place if they're voluntarily there Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. They're not being held against their will. And even their the will. chief, if he's not being held against his will, I guess maybe he has to escape because he's killed. Somebody now. Yeah, McMurphy. Yeah. So that's what he's escaping from. But that's not what the movie's trying to say. Trying to say at all. And so it doesn't, it just doesn't. Because yeah. they're making it seem like he's escaping from the asylum. You put into words what I was feeling, which was because I watched it and I, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed all the acting in this. I think it's really great performances. Probably some of the best that we've seen so far, like in this whole run yeah. of what we've been watching. Like even baby Danny DeVito. Yes. Like I had to do a double take if that was Danny DeVito. Yeah. I was like, oh, he looks so young and like sprightly. Yeah. I didn't know he existed in 1975. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's just been like from 1991. <laughs> yeah. But like everyone in this is spectacular. And I think I was very distracted by that because it's really enjoyable to watch them in these moments. But at the end, I'm sitting there and just like, wait, what did I watch though? What am I learning from this? What was the whole point of this? And I, I kind of want to, I don't know if I want to read, but I want to listen to the book (laughs) (laughs) just to understand maybe where, what the point was, what was being driven home. Yeah, because, and I think maybe that, so the other thing is the writer of the book, Ken Kessie, hated this. He hated the movie? He hated the movie, and he never watched oh, it. Oh, interesting. Wait, yes. but he never watched it, so he... He hated, he, he must have read the screenplay, screenplay yeah. He must okay. have read the screenplay. He refused to watch it, so he knew where it was going, which says something, mm-hmm. right? Because, and I think what I read is that the perspective, it was the fact that they made so many changes to this, but... They weren't bad changes. No, but they but they're do not change. great changes. Yes. Yeah. But I think the the big question of if this was meant to be the chief's perspective and they changed it to McMurphy's perspective, the only thing that logistically makes sense to do that is because of race. Yeah. Well, as soon as you said it, that's what I was thinking. It's that an audience in 1975 might not see want to see a movie from the perspective of an indigenous person. Yeah. Yeah. And so the screenplay tried to compensate for that. The other thing I was thinking, though, is like, could you 
make this movie today? Yeah, and it's a good question. And I don't I know if you could don't think properly, you, could. you mean. Prop, yeah. I. Mm. Here's the thing. And yeah. on two forms, no, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> First, in casting, I still don't think it would work. I still think the need for notable faces and people, I don't even think it's the fact that he's he's Native American. I think it's the fact that someone who's meant to be that, it's, it's kind of like casting, like the rock is the rock. John Baptista. Yeah, but not yeah. even like bigger than him. Like the guy who played the mountain in... Game of Thrones, for instance, because he's okay. meant to be big and imposing. Yeah. But finding someone who's big and imposing and Native American, come on, that's hard. Like they're I'm lucky. sure there are. I'm sure there yeah. are, but but you do need a notable face. Yeah. So on that front, it wouldn't. On the other front, I don't agree necessarily with how they show mental illness. But at the time, that's how mental illness was illness perceived. Was, yeah. And you could never get away with that this, in this day and age. And like you're saying, then we would have to know things, Mita. We would have to know about their history. We'd have to know where they came from. We'd have to suddenly We'd have give... to better understand who these people yes, are. Yes, rather than just being one-dimensional and just showing. It's the joker of it all. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. And it's annoying. Yeah. It doesn't... It wouldn't work today. I don't think people... I don't think... Because this actually made a lot of money, too. It was huge. That's the other thing, yeah. Is this one of the first ones where Jack Nicholson like said, "I'll take a lower cut yeah. so I can get yeah," yeah, and like it it paid off for paid Jack, off. but it made one hundred twenty million at the box office in nineteen seventy five. A drama film like this yes. would not make that kind of money today. And the other big thing is that it was this only the second film, and the th- second film in the history of the Academy Awards to win the top five awards. Best picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. Check. And, the o- and there's only three movies to ever do that, the third one being Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Three movies. The first being It Happened One Night. Yeah, which we watched. Which, which we was watched. really which was great. lovely. Yes. So, such a different movie. Right? Kind of crazy, right? But isn't it? That's how much this was liked. And it's so interesting. I... W- you know what? The 70s audiences are pretty cool, though. Think about what we've watched oh, so far yeah, and they what are. they're enjoying and, like, what's winning Best Picture or at least being nominated. Yes. It is, like, it really, I I think before I owe it, when people would say, like, 70s is the best decade for film, I was just like, okay, whatever. I thought it was just film rose being film yeah. rose. But I am really appreciating the movies that are out during this time. They're so different. They're not like anything that was made before or anything that's come since. Or at least people will attempt to do movies like this and they fail miserably. Yeah. And I think the reason they fail miserably is also because the audience, like you're saying, the audience in the 70s was game. Yeah, they were, they were just like, yeah, let's go for this ride. Let's, let's do go it. for this ride. Let's do this. You didn't they were- need like a huge budget. You didn't need like all these like explosions and car chase scenes and all these things or if you get a car chase scene it's like how it is in um the french connection where it's just like it's so it's like nothing you've seen before and it's so natural it's not filled with like cgi and special effects and fine audiences then didn't know of those things but it's very evident that audiences are not after flash they're after. They want a. They want story. They want story. They want something different. They want something fresh. They're after that, I, and I think they're after education in many ways. Mm-hmm. They want their movies to be saying something. 
Yes, they do. Yes. But I'm still hard on this one. What is this one yeah, saying? I, I, I don't know what this is saying. Yeah. I can't pinpoint that feeling of like, I can't really say this is what this movie is about. Hmm. Interesting. But one thing, like I mentioned earlier, I do want to come back to is Louise Fletcher. Yeah. And her best actress win. Yeah. How do we feel about that? I am digging it. Do you? <laughs> I don't. When do we get female characters like this? When do we get literally ratchet? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, Well, she became, yeah, like a household She became name. this, yeah. Did people, but here's the thing. I've never, I don't, can't think of anything that she's been in after Since, the fact. Yeah. Yeah. And Who else was nominated in that year? Do you have that up? I'm trying to pull that up. Oh, I have it up. So, Louise Fletcher for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm-hmm. Isabel Adjani for The Story of Adele H., mm-hmm. Anne Margaret for Tommy, mm-hmm. Glenda Jackson for Hedda, yeah. and Carol Kane for Hester Street. It's a very interesting mix. I did not know Carol Kane was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> that blows my mind. For a movie called Hester. Hester. Hester Street. Lillian from Unbreakable <laughs> Kimmy exactly. Schmidt. <laughs> Was nominated for for an Academy Award. Yeah. I I don't know any of these other performances. No. But I I, I, I've heard of obviously Isabel Ajani. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. I know who Anne Margaret is. I know. I also did not know who Anne that Anne Margaret was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. I don't know who Glenda Jackson is. I don't know who Glenda Jackson is. Oh, but she won an Academy Award for Best Actress twice. Wow. In 1970 and 1973. For what? A Touch of Class and Women in Love. Two. That's a huge, meet that. So clearly Glenda Jackson is... No is a front runner? Maybe she was a front runner at the time, but I don't think... I think at the time it was still Louise Fletcher. Isabella Johnny was only 20 years old when she was nominated for yeah. this. Oh, <laughs> Linda like, Jackson so has young. four nominations. So <laughs> clearly we're missing so she's something somebody. Here. She's somebody. We just yeah. don't know her. We just she's don't know her. not a household name. But Do yes. you not feel like it is warranted in this situation? Louise Fletcher's win? Yeah. I don't think it's... I think it's a good performance. This is maybe mm-hmm. one of those examples of a effortless performance that takes more work than is appearing on screen. Like she's really embodying the character. So like, I don't know what Louise Fletcher's like outside. In real life? Yeah. It's not like watching... I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence do something like this, where you're like, oh, she really had to work to make this work. Work for it. It, I think anyone, I don't think people are naturally like this, though. I think anybody would have to to work towards that. Like, I'd like to think that that nobody is really like... Is really like that? Is like Ratchet. Yeah. But I did read in the IMDb trivia that she, like, she saw everybody else having fun on set. And she was so jealous that she didn't get to laugh and have fun. That she stripped down to her underwear on like the last day of shooting yeah. or something, just so people could have a laugh. But <laughs> it is. A very I, I don't think anyone is really like that, and so like I do think there is a lot of work that goes into having that like pay off and to yeah. believing it. There's a true believability yes. to what she is doing. There is a is true really, believability. Yeah, it's really hard to do that. I don't think I could do that. Well, you're not an actress. I'm either, one so of the I'm greatest <laughs> actresses of all time. <laughs> yeah, no, but I a, wonder. It is a like, great performance, but I do think it's 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 a very understated performance. Mm-hmm. It's not an in-your-face. There's no like, what is the clip they're showing at the Academy Awards? But I'm still scared of her. 
You're I wouldn't want to. I'm scared of Ratchet. Yeah. If I was like put into that institute, I wouldn't want to be on her bad side. Yeah, but that's, that's also fair. just me as a person, like being a people pleaser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I am scared of her. Like, it definitely evoked emotion out of me. And it's strong enough of a character that now. 30 40 years later they have a tv show about her i know but ryan murphy is not like the <laughs> the best example of anything but he took someone someone who maybe is, like she's kind of a pop culture icon yes. people know nurse ratchet and she'd made it enough of a character that people would want to make something of it years later that i'll give her is that she created yeah. that character she created that iconic character she created she made a villain out of her in a very subtle way mm-hmm was she anybody before this? Like I I'm don't sure know she was the name a, enough. I, I'm sure she was a someone. <laughs> I'm sure she existed. I'm sure she existed. Let me look at Louise Fletcher and the IMDb. That, I don't, she was I, in Cruel Intentions. Who is she in Cruel Intentions? Did she age out? She also <laughs> has a recurring role as uh, no, 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 that's not it. As well as uh, Sebastian's aunt Helen. Okay, like, that's barely a scene. <laughs> you remember Cruel Intentions that well? I don't remember seeing. I remember him saying my Aunt Helen, but oh, I don't yeah. even remember seeing Aunt Helen. That's fair. She's in an episode of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> also amazing. Before we move on to ratings, two things. I do want to say Jack Nicholson is amazing in this. Oh, and, yes. And we need to give props to Jack. You need to. I, that's why I was just like, we're going to take a second to acknowledge Jack because it's Jack, an incredible yeah. performance. It's, yeah. He's, wow. I, so as a kid, everyone was always like, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson. And I, the only thing that was like around at the time was As Good As It Gets, which I yeah. wasn't allowed to watch and I've never seen. No? <laughs> I've never seen As Good As It yeah, as good as it gets is the one that he got the Oscar for, right? He won another Oscar for it. Yeah. Yes. It's with Helen Hunt. That's yeah. the one. But the only thing I've really ever seen of Jack is The Departed. Mm-hmm. And the, that at least has stayed in my memory. And Something's Gotta Give. Is it Something's oh, yeah. Gotta Give? Something's yeah. Gotta Give. <laughs> with Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. Yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, yeah, like Jack, The Departed. Jack is great in The Departed. Yeah. But I have never really got it until we watched chinatown because yeah. he's also very good in that but i have never really like clued in on why people think jack is so amazing and i get it now i will say I this is also jack being jack it's yeah it's very oh, no jack. i don't think anybody else could do this no <laughs> yeah but it's an it's an, an amazing performance he really commits to it and he, it's 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 beautiful sequel prequel ideas something just popped into my mind about oh jack God. though tell me i i'm gonna say it out loud but I feel kind of bad. Okay. So you know that Jack Nicholson grew up thinking his sister was his, was his sorry, his mother, mother was, was his sister. sister. Yeah. And someone else who has that same history is a well-known serial killer named Ted Bundy. Yes. He grew and so I years ago I saw this thing like Somebody was like, ex- not excusing, but saying, oh, Ted Bundy had a messed up childhood. Mm-hmm. Like he thought his sister was, his, he thought his, his mom, ma- his mother, he grew up thinking his sister, <laughs> he grew up thinking his mother was his sister. Yeah. Yes. Okay. He grew up thinking his mother was his sister. And then someone in a comment in a thread <laughs> wrote like, so did Jack Nicholson and he didn't kill a bunch of people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, but if Jack can like tap into this. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just saying maybe there's something there <laughs> psychology yeah, wise. 
I'm not saying Jack Nicholson is a serial killer. He also I'm just taps saying in that, to yeah. The Shining. Exactly. Right? I think that there is something there for him to explore. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he hasn't and won't. <laughs> I think he's too old now. I think it's it's past, yeah, at that point. But yeah. <laughs> sequel, sequel prequel. prequel? Yes. I want to know more about Ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how she got oh into this profession. Lucky for you, that exists, Mita. <laughs> no, but is is it a prequel or is it a sequel? It's a like prequel. The, it's a prequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know it was a prequel. It is. Maybe I'll watch it. How she got into this profession and like, was she just born Ratchet? Like, did she have stink eye from the time she was born? Or is this something that it led to her being the strict rule maker that she is? I mean, you love Ryan Murphy, so. I don't love Ryan Murphy. (laughs) I do really enjoy Sarah Paulson, though. Yes. Yeah. I can get that. I think she's, she's a fun time. Sarah Paulson. And it's only times. one season. It's only, it's a mini It's series, short, right? yeah. So maybe he doesn't ruin it. Maybe I'll watch it. Because he is, he is best in one season. Yeah. He can really nail one season of a show. Yeah. Beyond that, yeah. not his thing. See Nip Tuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See everything Ryan Murphy has ever done. See the first season, yeah. I'm going to launch into oh, my Glee! Review. Yeah, exactly. See, first that, when you asked me, no, but when you asked me what's a show that I watched and enjoyed, and then when if I went oh, back, yes. I actually really did enjoy the first season of Glee, and I thought that that was good TV. And now if I go back to it, I'm like, no, this was not good TV. Wow, so that really brought this entire conversation full you circle. Did, yeah, wow, I, that. I didn't yeah. know what we were going to talk about <laughs> yeah. today, and look at that, look at that, so much. Yeah. Okay, my review. Here's the thing. Yes, this mm-hmm. is a good movie. You can't deny it. It's like I said, incredibly acted. Well-written, well-directed, good music. There isn't a false note in this, but I have no idea what it's trying to say. And I don't know if a movie has to say something or just be entertaining. I think mm-hmm. that, is a, that is a different conversation. That said, I think this kind of movie is trying to say something, and it fails in saying nothing, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. If I'm watching a movie like you know, very few movies don't say anything and they're allowed to and they're just meant to be like mindless action or mindless like comedy, whatever it is. But this is a movie that's trying to be about something. It's about mm-hmm. freedom of will or freedom of speech or sanity or, you know, whatever it's trying to get at. There's something there and it's not communicating it well. And I think what it does is it mars the experience because while you're watching a movie, I'm not saying that the theme should be sticking out and you should be trying to ingest them, but you should be watching a movie and understanding where it's going and what what is it trying to say to you. A good movie, you can see what it's trying to say to you. Mm-hmm. You can see what the you know where it is and what's happening. And I think the other thing is is that a really good movie and a really good screenplay, you should be able to predict the end without having it feel predictable yeah so if you think about something like everything everywhere all at once which is completely different you know at the end that mother and daughter are going to get along spoiler alert spoiler alert right (laughs) you know you know she's not going to kill her you know she's going to learn her lesson you know certain things are going to happen that doesn't make the movie predictable but it 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 allows you to kind of understand where the movie's trying to go and allows you to kind of take in what the movie's trying to tell you Mm -hmm. there is no way you can predict how this is going to end and that sounds like a compliment but it's not Mm -hmm. i think the ending comes really comes out of nowhere 
and it's shocking and it's exciting. And while you're watching it, it's it's memorable. But when you're thinking about it, you're like, but where did that come from? But there was no lead up to that. Mm-hmm. So this is a hard movie to review because on the one hand, it is very well made. Oh, when you're reviewing Mita, answer the question, did this deserve best picture? Mm. Let me go through the nominees this year quickly. Yeah. In, in 1970. I have them up. Oh, I do too. Okay. We have Barry Lyndon. We have yes. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. Jaws. Yes. In Nashville. Yes. Of which I've seen Dog Day Afternoon. We watched it last season. And I've seen Jaws. I haven't seen Nashville. And I haven't seen Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. But I will say, given how financially successful this was, and given how the Academy Awards that were heaped upon it, it's obvious that this was a well-liked movie at the time. The Wyatt one, it makes complete sense because people love this. Did it deserve to win in that in that lineup? I will say, yeah, it is better than Jaws. Jaws is a good Jaws is a good time that isn't trying to say anything. But at the end of the day, if I have to choose a movie, I'd actually choose this over Jaws. Which is interesting. I'm not even, I'm realizing that right now as I'm saying it. And I enjoyed Dog Day Afternoon, which was really a a good time, Sydney Lumet. But I can see why this won. I can totally understand it. And I think my one hiccup and my one like point of contention is just like, what were you trying to say? But I still enjoyed it. There you go. And those confusing feelings are making me land on three and a half stars. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Writing that down. Yeah. Okay. Ready for mine? I am partially ready. Yes. Oh. Okay. You do what <laughs> now, you gotta do. Now I'm totally I'll ready. Go, yes. into it. go ahead. <laughs> we are in the same boat. Speaking of Joss, <laughs> we're in the same boat because I. I watched this while watching it. I was enjoying it. I was like, these are very strong performances. This is really n- nice to watch. I think like a, a lesser film would make like the mental hospital a lot darker and mm-hmm. gloomier. And like, there's a very, there's a subtlety to this of like, we're just telling you a story, sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I sat back. I enjoyed the story. I liked what was being presented to me, but I was left with this feeling of just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel at the end of this. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that because it's not one of the ones that I think I can sit with for a few days because it has been a few days now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still landing in that spot. Usually I might have like a flashback to a scene that I saw or kind of want to think about something else that I had witnessed and what it really represents or what it really means. And that Mm -hmm. is not coming to me at all. And I was interested to hear your point of view because I was like, okay, this is someone who's now seen it twice. Like maybe there is something that I'm missing and I would like need to clue in on, but you're experiencing the same thing. And there's been like a huge gap between your watches and like you were where you, I don't want to say you were a child when you first I was younger it, though, yeah. But you were younger yeah. and you, you, I'm sure, just like I have, like as years go by, you form a better opinion of mm-hmm. things or form a better understanding and like it's still not there. So you're like un- being unable to like kind of solve the mystery of this mm-hmm. has actually boosted my confidence into realizing <laughs> I don't know the mystery <laughs> behind this too because I was feeling a little bit like, oh, Am I stupid? Like, do I not know what's happening here? Because I, I did enjoy it. I think performance wise, this is really great. If you're going to, if you should watch an acting class on how to be crazy, watch Jack Nicholson 
If you want to know how to be like a frigid bitch, watch Nurse Ratchet in this because she she pulls it off. But I just the plane wasn't landed and just sort of just like how I'm summarizing now. I can't even land this plane because I don't know what I'm trying to say with this because it's just not evident to me. When I look at those other nominees, I have never actually seen Jaws in its entirety. Really? I was going to watch it for this, and then I just, I it, I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't finish my homework, so I need to do that. Maybe I'll do that with um, next week's as well. But the only one I've actually seen is Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. And if you remember, I'm the one that suggested Dog Day Afternoon yeah. to you. So I think it's pretty clear that like that would be a front runner for me because that film the film is just it's so good the way it's shot it yeah i thoroughly enjoy dog afternoon Mm -hmm. i think you can listen to why i love it last season when we talked about it but it does come up like if if you ask me like what do you want to watch today mita i would say dog day afternoon i think subject matter is just a little bit more palpable as well like there's more of a jaunt to it and like it's kind of like oh yeah like how are we gonna get out of this bank heist yeah (laughs) it's a little it's more fun which let's face it i'm about fun (laughs) it's more of a jaunt yeah exactly and it just a tad bit more enjoyable for me Mm -hmm. i don't know if one flew over the cuckoo's nest is something that i would say like i'm going to watch again i'm not gonna seek it out Mm -hmm. and it's also if you ask me like What's a movie that you must see? I also don't think I would say this just because even though it's it's made very well, it has great performances. It is a good movie. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It just does not have a point to it. And I think that that's really important when you're presenting art is that the art needs to actually symbolize something that is palpable. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that here. My rating is three and a half though because of how good it is. It would be four yeah. if I had an answer to what this was all about, but it's not. I don't have one, so it's three and a half. Okay, yeah. I get that. I feel like it should be higher. My rating? No, like my rating oh. too. Like we have the same rating, but I feel like it should be higher. But I can't. Like I can't pinpoint it. I can't pinpoint it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about that? <laughs> that was one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Cuckoo! Next, exactly. Next week we have another funny week, but before yeah. then, it's game time. Okay. So, Mita, last week you had me connect Bros. Mm-hmm. Yes. To Save the Last Dance. Yeah. <laughs> and this week, Mita, I'm having yeah. you connect Save the Last Dance. Okay. To a movie I don't know if you've seen, but I'm sure oh. you've heard of it. Great. In Bruges. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. you can do this. I think it's doable. You didn't even check to see if it's doable? <laughs> oh, it is doable. I think if you can do it. Okay. Your timer starts now. I want to go backwards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Maybe I won't. Let's just go to Julia Stiles because I think that's <laughs> the best the best way to go from Save the Last Dance. Julia Stiles is in so many things. Let's go with. No, that wouldn't work. I'm just trying to think Brendan Gleeser and like anybody in Harry Potter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was that a good way to go about it. But Julia Stiles is also in Hustlers, but that doesn't really have anybody in it. Oh, is there a way through Hustlers? Okay. Julia Stiles is in Hustlers. Which has 
or is directed by Lorraine Scafaria. Okay. Lorena or Lorraine? Am I late? I'm not going to get there, am I? Do you want it 30 seconds to just see? No, I'm not going to get there. Okay. 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 So Julia Stiles is in a movie called Mona Lisa Smile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With one. Who, Mita? Your all-time favorite girl. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Who is in a movie. The Beguiled with Chris Colin Farrell who's in In Bruges. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) I did it. That that was, yes. Yeah. Okay. It was a lot of your girl crushes in like the same vicinity. (laughs) Well, in Sofia Coppola. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she's not part of the connection. No, she's, she's not, not like well, one of the connectors. No, she's not. But she directed. Yeah, Le she directed Beguiled. the Beguiled. Anyways, nicely semi done, Mita. <laughs> there we go. I got there eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Okay. Talk to us about next week. Oh, next week, Nadim, the Best Picture winner for 1976 is a film, a small film titled small film. Rocky. Mm-hmm. We have covered Rocky on our podcast before in season one we, we watched did. rocky mm-hmm. yeah and we actually enjoyed it yeah <laughs> yes so as we have covered it we will not be covering it for next week's episode no. instead we have narrowed down the choices to taxi driver and network, network. i almost forgot what it was because there is also another now there's the other nominees for that year are bound for glory which is a war movie so we're not going to watch that yeah. <laughs> and the other nominee is All the President's Men, which we have also We watched seen. last season, yeah. Yes. Which is also a great movie. Yes. Yeah. So that leaves us with Network and Taxi Driver, two very prominent films. Mm-hmm. Both of which I have not seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are we picking at random or are we... De- I forgot what we decided. <laughs> so we've decided. Yeah. We kind of really went back and forth. So we are going to watch both of these. I have seen both of them. Mita has seen neither of them. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to review Taxi Driver, Mita. Really? I know we were talking about Network. <laughs> and like before the recording, we said Network, but Taxi Driver is the bigger film. Okay. Yeah. But we're going to talk about both. We're going to talk about we'll Network give, as well. We'll give Network its airtime. I was under the impression that Network was like Nadim's favorite movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. There's a lot of things I really like about Network, but if I'm thinking in terms of like, movies for the podcast yeah and you're we're talking about movies to watch before the end of the world yeah you're watching taxi driver okay i will watch taxi driver with baby jody and network yes and network but we are officially reviewing taxi Taxi driver Driver. yeah okay that but that is for next week yeah mita Mm. parting words Mmm, juicy fruit. <laughs> it doesn't go on that long. He kind of just like, <laughs> it's just like, mm, But I, fruit. I, mmm, juicy fruit. Yeah. It's more mm. like that. Mmm, juicy fruit. There you go. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Taxi Driver. Beep, beep. Have a lovely week, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can send us an email at moviestowatchpod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at moviestowatchpod, and check out our letterbox at movies, the number two, watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.